Act One of Andrea, or The Fair Andrian, by Terence, translated by Henry Thomas Riley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Andrea, The Fair Andrian, Dramatis Personae. Simo an aged athenian read by aaron white pamphilus son of simo read by josh kibbe sozia freedman of simo read by eva davis Kramas, an aged athenian read by todd charnus a young athenian in love with philomena read by thomas peter crito a native of Andros, read by Alan Mapstone. Davis, a servant of Simo, read by Campbell Shelp. Dromo, servant of Simo, read by Nemo. Beria, servant of Charinus, read by Lian Yao. Glycerium, a young woman beloved by Pamphilus, read by Lian Yao. Myasis, her maidservant, read by Sonia. Lesbia, a midwife, read by T.J. Burns. Stage directions, read by phone. Scene, Athens, before the houses of Simo and Glycerium. The title of the play. Performed at the Megalensian Games. M. Fulvius and M. Glabrio being Caruli Aedilus, Ambivius Turpio and Lucius Aetilius Prenestinus performed it. Flaccus, the freedman of Claudius, composed the music to a pair of treble flutes and bass flutes alternately, and it is entirely Grecian. Published M. Marcellus and Cnaeus Sulpicius being consuls. The Prologue the poet when first he applied his mind to writing thought that the only duty which devolved on him was that the plays he should compose might please the public but he perceives that it has fallen out entirely otherwise for he is wasting his labour in writing prologues not for the purpose of relating the plot but to answer the slanders of a malevolent old poet now i beseech you give your attention to the thing which they impute as a fault menander composed the andrian and the perinthian he who knows either of them well will know them both they are in plot not very different and yet they have been composed in different language and style what suited he confesses he has transferred into the andrian from the perinthian and has employed them as his own these parties censure this proceeding and on this point they differ from him that plays ought not to be mixed up together by being thus knowing do they not show that they know nothing at all for while they are censuring him they are censuring navius plautus and ennius whom our poet has for his precedence whose carelessness he prefers to emulate rather than the mystifying carefulness of those parties 
therefore i advise them to be quiet in future and to cease to slander that they may not be made acquainted with their own misdeeds be well disposed then attend with unbiased mind and consider the matter that you may determine what hope is left whether the plays which he shall in future compose anew are to be witnessed or rather to be driven off the stage act the first scene one enter simo and sozia followed by servants carrying provisions simo to the servants do you carry those things away indoors be gone beckoning to sozia sozia just step here i want a few words with you consider it as said that these things are to be taken care of i suppose no it's another matter what is there that my ability can affect for you more than this there's no need of that ability in the matter which i have in hand but of those qualities which i have ever known as existing in you fidelity and secrecy i await your will since i purchased you you know that from a little child your servitude with me has always been easy and light from a slave i made you my freedman for this reason because you served me with readiness the greatest recompense that i possessed i bestowed upon you i bear it in mind i am not changed if i have done or am doing aught that is pleasing to you simo i am glad that it has been done and that the same has been gratifying to you i consider sufficient thanks but this is a cause of uneasiness to me for the recital is as it were a censure to one forgetful of a kindness but tell me in one word what is it that you want with me i'll do so in the first place in this affair i give you notice this which you suppose to be such is not a real marriage why do you pretend it then you shall hear all the matter from the beginning by that means you'll be acquainted with both my son's mode of life and my own design and what i want you to do in this affair for after he had passed youthfulness sosia and had obtained free scope of living for before how could you know or understand his disposition while youthful age fear and the master were checking him that's true what all young men for the most part do devote their attention to some particular pursuit either to training horses or dogs for hunting or to the philosophers in not one of these did he engage in particular beyond the rest and yet in all of them in a moderate degree i was pleased not without reason for this i deem in life to be especially advantageous that one do nothing in excess such was his mode of life readily to bear and to comply with all with whomsoever he was in company to them to resign himself uh, to devote himself to their pursuits at variance with no one uh, never preferring himself to them thus most readily you may acquire praise without envy and gain friends he has wisely laid down his rule of life for in these days obsequiousness begets friends sincerity dislike meanwhile three years ago 
a certain woman from andros removed hither into this neighbourhood uh, driven by poverty and the neglect of her relations of surpassing beauty and in the bloom of youth ah i am afraid that this andrian will bring some mischief at first in a modest way she passed her life with thriftiness and in hardship seeking a livelihood with her wool and loom but after an admirer made advances promising her a recompense first one and then another and as the disposition of all mankind has a downward tendency from industry toward pleasure she accepted their proposals and then began to trade upon her beauty those who were then her admirers by chance as it often happens took my son thither that he might be in their company forthwith i said to myself he is surely caught he is smitten in the morning i used to observe their servant boys coming or going away i used to make inquiry here my lad tell me will you who had crisis yesterday uh, for that was the name of the andrian touching socia on the arm i understand phaedrus or clinias or nicaratus they used to say for these three then loved her at the same time well now what did pamphilus do what he gave his contribution he took part in the dinner uh, just so on another day i made inquiry but i discovered nothing whatever that affected pamphilus in fact i thought him sufficiently proved and a great pattern of continence for he who is brought into contact with dispositions of that sort and his feelings are not aroused even under such circumstances you may be sure that he is already capable of undertaking the governance of his own life this pleased me and everybody with one voice began to say all kinds of flattering things and to extol my good fortune in having a son endowed with such a disposition oh what need is there of talking cremas uh, influenced by this report came to me of his own accord to offer his only daughter as a wife to my son uh, with a very large portion it pleased me i betrothed him this was the day appointed for the nuptials what then stands in the way why should they not take place you shall hear in about a few days after these things had been agreed on crisis this neighbour dies bravo you've made me happy i was afraid for him on account of crisis then my son was often there with those who had admired crisis with them he took charge of the funeral sorrowful in the meantime he sometimes wept with them in condolence then that pleased me thus i reflected he by reason of this slight intimacy takes her death so much to heart what if he himself had wooed her what will he do for me his father all these things i took to be the duties of a humane disposition and of tender feelings why do i detain you with many words even i myself for his sake went forth to the funeral as yet suspecting no harm huh? what is this you shall know she is brought out we proceed 
In the meantime, among the females who were there present, I saw by chance one young woman, a beauteous form. Very likely. And of countenance, Sophia, was so modest, so charming, that nothing could surpass. As she appeared to me to lament beyond the rest, and as she was of a figure handsome and genteel beyond the other women, I approached the female tendants. I inquired who she was. They said that she was the sister of Chrysus. It instantly struck my mind. Ay, ay, this is it. Hence those tears, hence that sympathy. How I dread what you're coming to. The funeral procession, meanwhile, advances. We follow. We come to the burying place. She is placed upon the pile. They weep. In the meantime, this sister whom I mentioned approached the flames too incautiously, with considerable danger. There, at that moment, Pamphilus, in his extreme alarm, discovers his well-dissembled and long-hidden passion. He runs up, clasps the damsel by the waist. My Glycerium, says he, what are you doing? Why are you going to destroy yourself? Then she, so that you might easily recognize the habitual attachment, weeping, threw herself back upon him. How affectionately! What do you say? I returned thence in anger and hurt at heart, and yet there was not sufficient ground for reproving him. He might say, What have I done? How have I deserved this or offended, father? She who wished to throw herself into the flames, I prevented. I saved her. The defense is a reasonable one. You judge aright, for if you censure him who has assisted to preserve life, what are you to do to him who causes loss or misfortune to it? Cremas comes to me next day, exclaiming, Disgraceful conduct! That he had ascertained that Pamphilus was keeping this foreign woman as a wife, I steadfastly denied that to be the fact. He insisted that it was the fact. In short, I then left him, refusing to bestow his daughter. Did you not then reprove your son? Not even this was a cause sufficiently strong for censuring him. How so? Tell me. You yourself, father, he might say, have prescribed a limit to these proceedings. The time is near when I must live according to the humour of another. Meanwhile, for the present, allow me to live according to my own. <sighs> what room for reproving him, then, is there left? If, on account of his amour, he shall decline to take a wife, that, in the first place, is an offence on his part to be censured, and now for this I am using my endeavours that, by means of the pretended marriage, there may be real ground for rebuking him, if he should refuse. At the same time, if that rascal Davis has any scheme, he may exhaust it now, while his knaveries can do no harm, who, I do believe, with hands, feet, and all his might, will do everything and more for this no doubt that he may do me an ill turn than to oblige my son 
for what reason do you ask a bad heart bad disposition whom however if i do detect uh, but what need is there of talking if it should turn out as i wish that there is no delay on the part of pamphilus cremas remains to be prevailed upon by me and i do hope that all will go well now it's your duty to pretend these nuptials cleverly to terrify davis and watch my son what he's about or what schemes he is planning with him tis enough i'll take care now let's go indoors ah, you go first i'll follow Sosia goes into the house of simo simo to himself there's no doubt but that my son doesn't wish for a wife so alarmed did i perceive davis to be just now when he heard that there was going to be a marriage but the very man is coming out of the house stands aside scene two enter davos from the house of simo davos aloud to himself i was wondering if this matter was to go off thus and was continually dreading where my master's good humour would end for after he had heard that a wife would not be given to his son he never uttered a word to any one of us or took it amiss simo apart overhearing him <laughs> but now he'll do so and that i fancy not without heavy cost to you davus to himself he meant this that we thus unsuspecting should be led away by delusive joy that now in hope all fear being removed we might during our supineness be surprised so that there might be no time for planning a rupture of the marriage how clever simo apart the villain what does he say davus overhearing him to himself it's my master and i didn't see him davis well what is it just step this way to me davus to himself what does he want what are you saying about what do you ask the question uh, there's a report that my son's in love the public troubles itself about that of course will you attend to this or not certainly i will to that but for me to inquire now into these matters were the part of a severe father for what he has done hitherto doesn't concern me at all so long as his time of life prompted to that cause i allowed him to indulge his inclination now this day brings on another mode of life demands other habits from this time forward i do request or if it is reasonable i do entreat you davis that he may now return to the right path davus aside what can this mean all who are intriguing take it ill to have a wife given to them so they say and if any one has adopted a bad instructor in that course he generally urges the enfeebled mind to pursuit still more unbecoming faith i do not comprehend no ha no i am davis not oedipus of course then 
you wish me to speak plainly in what further I have to say. Certainly, by all means. If I, this day, find out that you are attempting any trickery about this marriage, to the end that it may not take place, or are desirous that in this matter it should be proved how knowing you are, I'll hand you over, Davis, beaten with stripes, to the mill, even to your dying day upon this condition and pledge, that if ever I release you I shall grind in your place. Now, do you understand this, or not yet even this? Yes, perfectly. You have now spoken so plainly upon the subject. You have not used the least circumlocution. In anything would I more willingly allow myself to be imposed upon than in this matter. Fair words, I entreat. You are ridiculing me. You don't at all deceive me. I give you warning. Don't act rashly, and don't say you were not warned. Take care. Shaking his stick, goes into the house. Scene 3. Davos alone. Davos to himself. Assuredly, Davis. There's no room for slothfulness or inactivity. So far as I've just now ascertained the old man's mind about the marriage, which, if it is not provided against by cunning, will be bringing either myself or my master to ruin. What to do, I am not determined. Whether I should assist Pamphilus or obey the old man, if I desert the former, I fear for his life. If I assist him, I dread the other's threats, on whom it will be a difficult matter to impose. In the first place, he has now found out about this amour. With hostile feelings he watches me, lest I should be devising some trickery against the marriage. If he discovers it, I'm undone. Or even if he chooses to allege any pretext, whether rightfully or wrongfully, he will consign me headlong to the mill. To these evils this one is besides added for me. The Andrian, whether she is his wife or whether his mistress, is pregnant by Pamphilus. It is worth while to hear their infrontery, for it is an undertaking worthy of theirs in their dotage not of those who dote in love whatever she shall bring forth they have resolved to rear and they are now contriving among themselves a certain scheme that she is a citizen of attica there was formerly a certain old man of this place a merchant he was shipwrecked off the isle of andros he died they say that there the father of chrysus on that occasion sheltered this girl thrown on shore an orphan a little child what nonsense to myself at least it isn't very probable the fiction pleases them however but my sis is coming out of the house now i'll betake myself hence to the forum that i may meet with pamphilus lest his father should take him by surprise about this matter exit scene four Enter Mysis from the house of Glycerium. Mysis, speaking at the door to Archilus within. I've heard you already, Archilus. You request Lesbia to be fetched. Really, upon my faith, she is a wine-bibbing and a rash woman. 
and not sufficiently trustworthy for you to commit to her care a female at her first delivery is she still to be brought she receives an answer from within and comes forward do look at the inconsiderateness of the old woman because she is her pot companion ye gods i do entreat you give her ease in her delivery and to that woman an opportunity of making her mistakes elsewhere in preference uh, but why do i see pamphilus so out of spirits i fear what it may be i'll wait that i may know whether this sorrow portends any disaster stands apart scene five enter pamphilus wringing his hands pamphilus to himself is it humane to do or to devise this is this the duty of a father mysis apart what does this mean pamphilus to himself oh by our faith in the gods what is if this is not an indignity he had resolved that he himself would give me a wife to-day ought i not to have known this beforehand ought it not to have been mentioned previously mysis apart oh, wretched me what language do i hear pamphilus to himself what does cremes do he who had declared that he would not entrust his daughter to me as a wife because he himself sees me unchanged he has changed thus perversely does he lend his aid that he may withdraw wretched me from glycerium if this is effected i am utterly undone that any man should be so unhappy in love or so unfortunate as i am o oh, faith of gods and men shall i by no device be able to escape this alliance with cremes in how many ways am i contemned and held in scorn everything done and concluded alas once rejected i am sought again for what reason unless perhaps it is this which i suspect it is they are rearing some monster and as she cannot be pushed off upon any one else they have recourse to me mysis apart <sighs> this language has terrified wretched me with apprehension pamphilus to himself mm, but what am i to say about my father alas that he should so thoughtlessly conclude an affair of such importance passing me in the forum just now he said pamphilus you must be married to-day get ready be off home he seemed to me to say this be off this instant and go hang yourself i was amazed think you that i was able to utter a single word or any excuse even a frivolous false or lame one i was speechless but if any one were to ask me now what i would have done if i had known this sooner why i would have done anything rather than do this but now what course shall i first adopt so many cares beset me which rend my mind to pieces love sympathy for her the worry of this marriage then respect for my father who has ever until now with such an indulgent disposition allowed me to do whatever was agreeable to my feelings ought i to oppose him ah me i am an uncertainty what to do mysis apart i am wretchedly afraid how this uncertainty is to terminate but now there's an absolute necessity 
either for him to speak to her or for me to speak to him about her while the mind is in suspense it is swayed by a slight impulse one way or the other tantalus overhearing her hmm? who is it speaking here seeing her mysis good morrow to you oh good morrow to you pamphilus how is she do you ask she is oppressed with grief and on this account the poor thing is anxious because some time ago the marriage was arranged for this day then too she fears this that you may forsake her ha could i attempt that could i suffer her poor thing to be deceived on my account she who has confided to me her affection and her entire existence she whom i have held especially dear to my feelings as my wife shall i suffer her mind well and chastely trained and tutored to be overcome by poverty and corrupted i will not do it i should have no fear if it rested with yourself alone but whether you may be able to withstand compulsion do you deem me so cowardly so utterly ungrateful inhuman and so brutish that neither intimacy nor affection nor shame can move or admonish me to keep faith this one thing i know that she is deserving that you should not forget her forget her oh mysis mysis at this moment are those words of chrysus concerning glycerium written on my mind now at the point of death she called me i went to her you had withdrawn we were alone she began my dear pamphilus you see her beauty and her youth it is not unknown to you to what extent both of these are now of use to her in protecting both her chastity and her interests by this right hand i do entreat you and by your good genius by your own fidelity and by her bereft condition do not withdraw yourself from her or forsake her if i have loved you as my own brother or if she has always prized you above all others or she has been obedient to you in all things you do i give to her as a husband friend protector father this property of mine do i entrust to you and commit to your care she placed her in my hands that instant death came upon her i accepted her having accepted i will protect her so indeed i hope moving but why are you leaving her i'm going to fetch the midwife hmm. make all haste and do you hear take care and not one word about the marriage lest that too should add to her illness i understand exeunt severally end of act one